Sacrificial love is the biblical definition for this word agape. So it begins, our ability to love other people and always love other people is founded in the fact that we need to love self-sacrificially. And the reason we can do that is because we are first being loved by God. Your ability to love self-sacrificially, it's not native. It's not innate to you. It is a gift of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have it in yourself. Today's message is geared toward learning to love as Jesus did. Pastor Daniel digs into what the Bible says about how we should love the people around us and tells us that it needs to be done at a sacrificial level. As humans who tend to want to put ourselves first, this is a tall order. We need help to love as Jesus loved, so our dependence on the Holy Spirit is key. We're weak, but the Holy Spirit will give us the strength we need. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Love Displayed. My mother passed away about 20 years ago now. My mother-in-law, Lynn's mom, also passed away about 20 years ago now. But there's nothing quite like a mom. I was actually blessed because I... You know, I grew up in an all-Italian family, and so I had about 97 moms. I had my own mom, who was an amazing gal, but I also had literally, like, aunts and friends who were like aunts, and I mean, it was just like, even at school, my mom's friends were like my mom. It's like, I couldn't get away with anything, even though I tried relentlessly. But when I think about moms, I think about love. That's all I think about. I just think that God created moms to be a vehicle for his love to enter into the world. And I shared a story in my book, honestly, that came out that I think is kind of apropos in this situation. I remember when I went to college, so growing up all Italian, you know, the food was pretty extraordinary. You know, it was like, they, they didn't just make food. Like, it was like, it was like a revelation. You know, and not just like the eating of the food, but it was like the whole, like the preparation of it. You know, I used to just kind of hover in the kitchen and I would just like, just forage and it chase you out. It was a blast, you know. So the amount of food that I ate before the meal was amazing. But I remember when I went to college, I remember within about three weeks of being at college, I became a vegetarian. Now, I didn't become a vegetarian because all of a sudden I started thinking that beef isn't what was for dinner. But it really, it was like meatloaf wasn't supposed to look like that, you know? Like, I got spoiled at home because the food was always so, it was like everything was perfect. And then you go to college and the only thing that was perfect was peanut butter, you know? And so I became a vegetarian in college because it was this like survival mechanism, I think, you know? And I, I, but I never forget that, like, after the first year of college, I'm like, man... I can't live on peanut butter. Like, I mean, you can, and it's good, but it's like, it gets boring. And so I remember like, I got to learn how to cook. And I had all these visions of like me being like 
chefing it up and all the girls being like, ooh, he can cook too. He's like, what? you know, and so, I had to, and so I remember in the summertime, I went home and I said, grandma, you got to teach me how to cook, you know? And my grandma, you know, Italian grandma, she, you know, I'm like St. Daniel in my grandma's eyes. Even to this day, it's awesome. Like, I could do no wrong. Even when I'm wrong, it's like, I'm not wrong, you know? It's kind of an Italian grandma for you. And she's like, oh, I'd love to teach you how to cook. And so we'd sit there in the kitchen. And, and you know that Italian grandma, there's no recipes, you know? It's just a little of everything. It's a little of this and a little of this. And, you know, she's eating while she's cooking. And it's not sanitary, but it's a beautiful thing, you know? And... <laughs> You know, and I'll never forget those. So it's like, so she's telling me what to do and I'm doing it, you know. And then after a couple of tries, I'm like, nothing's really coming out so good. You know, and so finally I just get, you know, because I'm a right now kind of guy. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this now. I'm like, so grandma, why does everything you make taste so good? And she kind of smiled, you know. And she's like, my grandma's like four foot six at this point. She's like almost 90 now. She's getting smaller as she goes, you know. And at that point she was like four foot 10, you know what I mean? And she just like gives me this big smile and she's like, come here, come here. And I lean in and she gives me a big kiss and she whispers in my ear, she's like, I put a ton of love in it. That's the key. That's why Italian food is so good. They put a ton of love in it. You know, and I'll, just, I'll never forget that moment because she was so sweet because she's like, come here, come here. I'm like leaning down. And I'm not that tall anyway, you know, but it's like I'm leaning in and she's smooch. she gave me a grandma smooch, you know. And she said, it's because I put a lot of love in it. And do you know what's amazing? That reality changed my life. Because what I didn't realize at the time, but I came to realize soon thereafter, is that's exactly how Jesus is. See, Jesus wants you and I to put a ton of love into this world because that's exactly what he did. And I thought, man, doing this field note series, the best thing we can do is talk about love. Because God wants you and I as his people, whether you're a mom or not, whether you're a man or a woman, whatever it is, God wants to put a lot of love into the world through you and I. Let me show you how this works. Open up in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 7 to 11. Now, 1 John is almost at the end of your Bible. If you open up to the back page of your Bible, it's the book of Revelation, then a one-chapter book called Jude, and then you have 3 John, 2 John, and 1 John. Three, if you were doing it right, it'd be 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Backwards, 3, 2, 1. 1 John. So it's just there at the end. Now, if you're part of our internet campus, we love you guys. Don't forget, open up another browser window, type in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, or if you have your smartphones, you can do it that way as well. But I'm kind of partial to books still. I'm having like a retro thing. I think I'm getting older. I just realized that Nirvana is called classic rock now. I don't know how that happened. But it's like, so there's a book. I like this thing. I'm kind of, I'm partial to it. I'm calling this message Love Displayed. You'll see why. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
These are some powerful verses, aren't they? Now, I want you to notice the bookends. Look at the very first fragment of verse 7 and the very last fragment of verse 11. Notice what it says. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Look at the end of verse 11. We also ought to love one another. My friends, always love others. That's what we learn here. Always love other people. Now, I almost just want to like drop the mic and bail out on you right now. Because if we just get that, things would change. This world would change. Your life would change and my life would change. Just like, boom, that's it. Always love other people. Now, what's powerful about this is these bookends, this is really what our lives are meant to be. Now, it begins, notice, in verse 7 with the word beloved, and verse 11 has this word also, beloved. It literally means the divinely loved ones, the beloved ones, the ones who are loved by God. So this exhortation, this encouragement to always love other people, it begins with for those who are the beloved. Now, the problem that you have when you say always love other people is a definition problem. Because the word love in the Bible is very specifically defined, and the word love in modern language is kind of a fuzzy kind of an idea. Let me give you an example. I love chocolate cream pie. Amen. Right? Actually, I love all types of pie. Indiscriminately. You know, if it's pie, I like it. Right? Even tamale pie, Mexican pie. It's like, I'll eat it. Right? It's pie. Right? Now, if I love chocolate cream pie the way I love my kids, then is there a problem? Absolutely. You know what I mean? If you love that the Portland Trailblazers just beat the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs, if you love that the way you love your wife, then you have some serious problems. So love needs to be properly defined. And the word used for love in all of these verses and the predominant word that's used for love all through the New Testament is this Greek word agape, which literally means a love that sacrifices itself for the blessings of the other. That idea, it's fulfilled in who Jesus is. So I do not love chocolate cream pie self-sacrificially. Actually, I love it quite selfishly. I'm gonna devour that business, right? See, self-sacrificial love is the biblical definition for this word agape. So it begins, our ability to love other people and always love other people is founded in the fact that we need to love self-sacrificially. And the reason we can do that is because we are first being loved by God. Your ability to love self-sacrificially, it's not native. It's not innate to you. It is a gift of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have it in yourself. You might say, well, yes, I do. I'm not a Christian. I know how to love people. No, no, no. You know how to like people as long as they give you what you want. That's what you do. And you say, well, the Christians don't always get, they don't get it right. And that's why I'm giving the Christians a hard time right now. Because left up to our own devices, because of the fall of humanity that everybody experiences and the effects of that fall are everywhere, 
Each one of us has a tendency to love as long as I get what I want. I'll tell you you're the greatest person ever until you don't do what I want. And then I'm going to tell everybody on Facebook that I don't like you. That's the world that we live in. You're the most amazing spouse until you burn the food and then I don't like you anymore. This job is the best. You're the best boss ever until you pass over my promotion and give it to someone else and then I don't like you and you're the worst boss that ever lived. That is what's innate to the human heart. That's what comes naturally. Tit for tat. It's all about me getting what I want. I'll love you as long as you fulfill the things that I want. And right as you stop, then I stop. That's what is native to these hearts. And that's why the world looks the way that it looks today. But because those of us here who are in Christ, because we are the ones who are loved by God, and we're going to unpack that in a little bit, now then we always choose to love other people. And don't miss, John is writing here to the covenant community, to the people of God. Those who are the loved by gods, I want you to always love other people. So you might say, okay, good. So I can try and love people in the church, but it's the people who don't love Jesus. I don't love them, right? But don't forget what Jesus said about those people who are outside the church. Jesus said this, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Jesus says, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbors, love the people in the people of Israel, the people who are close to you, the people who are like you, and I want you to, and you can hate your enemy. But he says, no, 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 I tell you, I want you to love your enemies. You see why I can lead this message with always love other people? Because whether it's the people within the church or people outside of the church, our job is still exactly the same, to love people. Now, When you love someone, it doesn't mean you agree with everything that they do, right? God does not withhold his love from you if you don't get everything right or understand everything. God loves you despite what we bring to the table, and we're called to do the same thing. But if you were to ask the average person about people who follow Jesus, one word to describe people who follow Jesus, are they going to say love? No. And that's a problem, my friends. And I believe that's what God wants to get at in each one of our hearts. God wants us to always love. It's right there. We're loved by God. Love one another. Love one another. Now, let's unpack this a little bit further. Look at verse 7. And look at what this says. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God And knows God, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. My friends, love shows that you know God. When you love, it shows that you know who God is. Now, I think this is very, very important. Because what we find is that this type of self-sacrificial love is a learned behavior. It's actually an imitated behavior. We see our Father in heaven do it, and now we do it ourselves. It says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So, if you love the way God does, it shows that you are 
born of God, that you've been born again. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 3, that a person needs to be born again. He's saying that you were born physically, that gives you your physical life, but you need to be born again spiritually. When you become alive to the life of God in the depths of your own soul. Now listen, there's some of you here right now, you've not been born again. And I believe that God wants you to be born again. Why? Because God doesn't just want you to have a physical life. He wants you to have a spiritual life. I always say it this way. When you are alive physically, but dead spiritually, you are part of the zombie apocalypse. You have a physical experience and things are going on, but you're not alive to the things of God. Now, I remember the first time I heard someone say what I just said, and I remember my response was like, well, who do you think you are? You don't know me. I don't know you. But this is who God says that you are. See, I'm not trying just to like give you a hard time thinking I'm all up in your business and I know what you had for lunch or anything. That's not the case. That's what God says that we are. And I remember at the point when I put my faith and trust in Jesus and the spirit of God came into me, I realized, I'm like, wow, I totally was part of the zombie apocalypse. I just had no clue. I thought that's the way life was supposed to be. And what I realized is, no, no, no. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have life more abundantly. See, when you love other people, it shows that you know God. Why? Because everyone who loves has been born of God, it says. They know God. And verse eight, I love this because it takes it now into the negative where it says, he who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. If you won't love other people, then you don't know God. Why? Because it says God is love. Now, the way to explain this phrase, God is love, now notice it doesn't say love is God. That's our culture. That kind of fuzzy, I love you like pumpkin pie. I love you like I love my favorite sports team. I love you like I'm my favorite instrument. All these different things. No, love is not God. God by his very nature is love. Everything that God does in his nature is rooted and grounded in love. When God creates, God creates in love. When God judges, God judges in love. The overarching reality of the perfect nature of God is that God is love. And if we don't love, it shows that we don't know God because we are not living in accordance with God's nature. And that's the key. This is what the Christian faith is all about. It's about God sharing his nature with us. And that comes through the finished work of Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle John says. If we were to continue studying today, which we're not going to today, look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. It says this, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. This is powerful stuff right here. Because it says, if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, then God abides in you, and you abide in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us, because God is love, and he who abides abides in God and God abides in him. See, that's why 
We can always love, and when we love, it shows that we know God because God is sharing his nature with us. And that happens through the finished work of Jesus. That one singular event, the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, and then its application to your life and my life. When we say, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus, that is an absolute watershed event. It's just like the draft for the NFL, right? Before that thing starts, All those dudes are unemployed, unless they work at like Chick-fil-A or whatever. You know what I mean? And then if their name gets called and they sign the contract, now all of a sudden they're a professional football player. It's a definitive thing that happens. And when you confess that Jesus is the Son of God and you believe in him, at that moment, the presence of God, the Spirit of God comes and abides in you and cultivates God's life in you. And the way you know that God's life is being cultivated in you is when you show God's love into the world because God, by his very nature, is showing his love into the world in Christ. But I got to ask you, how are you doing loving people? It's a nasty question. Because it's really easy not to love people. It's really easy not to love people you know. Why? Because you know them. And you know their flaws and you know their quirks and you know the things that they do wrong and you got a whole backlog of history with them, all the dumb things that they did and all the ways that they reacted that you didn't like. So that's one side of it. And then it's really easy to not love people you don't know because you don't know them and you make a caricature about who everybody is. Right? And so if you know them, you don't know them, it's easy not to love them. And especially because our hearts are fickle and we're not created in our perfections to love perfectly, we have a tendency to miss the boat. When you love somebody who is not being lovable, you show that you know God. It's really God's love coming through them. What a powerful field note. Love everybody you meet on the journey. Whether you meet them on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or they hit your car because they were texting while they were doing it or whatever's going on, you just love those people. And when you do that, it's God's love coming through you. This is what I want you to do. I want you to take your pen or your smartphone. I want you to write down three people or groups of people who you're struggling to love right now. Just write it down. Democrats, Republicans, (laughs) Muslims or Buddhists or... Educated people, uneducated people, people who believe in gun control and people who don't, people who have same-sex attraction, people who are sexually immoral, heterosexual, whatever it is, write them down and then say, Lord, show me how you love those people. Lord, I want to show your love. And then what I want you to do is I want you to make an action plan to love somebody. Maybe you need to go on Facebook right now. You need to go apologize to all these people. Say, I'm so sorry. I've been such a total jerk. I love you. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm getting myself all worked up about all this stuff. But when I love people, it shows that I know God and I do know God and I'm just being a lousy representation. Lousy representation. Love shows that you know God. That's how people will know that you know him by the love that you share. And when someone says, what's the Christian like? People should be able to say, oh, you'll know them because they love everybody. That should be the answer. But what's unfortunate is not the answer. So we need to own this. I need to own this. Am I the kind of person who is teaching people that God, by his nature, isn't love because by my nature, I'm not love? And I call myself by the name of Jesus. Jesus is real. 
How do non-Christians define a follower of Jesus? In today's message, Pastor Daniel asked this very question, asserting that we aren't really known for how we love. Jesus has called us to love sacrificially, just as he willingly gave up his own life for the love of each of us. Our love shouldn't be subject to what we can get from others, but should stem from a desire to serve them. We can help redefine how Christians are viewed today. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. God has been doing some amazing things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of Jesus is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will dig into what sacrificial love is meant to look like in our lives. We can say we love others, but how will they know for sure? Pastor Daniel reminds us how important it is to show the love we claim to have in concrete ways. Serving others is a great place to start as it gives practical meaning to our words. We can show Jesus by doing things for others, even people we disagree with. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Field Notes. Until then, may God bless.